We'll see you in... <coughs> oh, man, we'll see... <coughs> Bye! I think we found our cold open! <laughs> Welcome to the Beers and Ears Podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. You know, that when we were talking about episodes that we were going to do, and we were kind of thinking through, you know, what, what, what could we do? This was a low-hanging fruit. Like, like, how had we not done this one yet? Like, we, we've pretty much hit all the other 90s renaissance. We've done Little Mermaid. We've done Beauty and the Beast. We've done Aladdin. Um, Hercules uh, we did. Uh, we did Hercules. We haven't done Pocahontas yet. We haven't done um, Mulan yet because neither of those are necessarily my favorites. But this is, like, one of the most beloved movies of all time. And if you haven't guessed, we're talking about The Lion King. Uh, uh, and, and I want to be very clear. We are talking about, at least for the most part, we will do this a little bit later. But for the most part, we are talking about the 1994 movie, The Lion King, today. The animated movie. Oof. That's coming up on 40 years? Is my math is correct? No, 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 no. No, no 35. Thir- 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 yeah. Not, no, 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 no. 30? No, no. 30, yeah, 30, okay. 30 yeah, years. Yeah. You're that like, hard. <laughs> did you math today, Matt? <laughs> today was uh, my day off on math. Yes. Um, so th- this movie, just so we're all clear, it was released uh, June 15th, 1994, uh, distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, you know, production uh, Walt Disney Company. Um, it actually only cost $45 million to make. I, I, to me, that boggles my mind. $45 million, like, that's insane to me. Like, well, that. what I read is this movie was not supposed to do well. This no. was the B team was working on this. Yes. Because the A team was working on Pocahontas. Pocahontas, yes. Which they thought was going to be the next big thing, and it was the opposite. Yes. Yeah, it, this, this was exactly what you just said. The B team was working on this. Um, $45 million, but it ended up grossing $968.5 million. It almost hit a billion dollars in 1994. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. Runtime, um, 88 minutes, so just under 90 minutes, just under that hour and a half mark. I was just telling Matt, I rewatched it today in preparation for the episode, and and it goes by so fast because it's just it's it's a classic it's one of those feel goods you know where you are at any point like i'm i remember i was watching and i paused it um in the right at the hakuna matata scene when simba's transitioning from cub to 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 lion that's the halfway point so you literally get half the movie with young simba and then the other half the movie with with old or older simba and the 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 last third is after they do the can you feel the love tonight like they do a really good job of like breaking the songs up in the movie so you kind of know where you are from a like a a milestone perspective well and that's what makes this movie pace really well is you've got every song is a classic song i can't think i mean i guess i am on the record on this pod saying that i think akuta matata is a little bit overrated but it's not a bad song no um so there's not a song that i can think of that's like oh this is the um it's the for me this the this is falls in the climb every mountain from sound of music category every time i get to the climb every mountain scene i just fast forward through it it's getting Mm. near the end of the movie i don't need to hear that old nun sing that just let's just move (laughs) along well you know you know that this movie right from the start is going to be something different with just the way that it starts. I mean, I know I kind of joked with the voices at the beginning of the, of the, of the show today, but literally from the, I mean, within the first 60 seconds of the credits rolling in the beginning, you get the sunrise, you get, you get that amazing song that lion, everyone knows Lion King for. And, 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 it, it, it's this pr- procession of animals to Pride Rock. You get the presentation of Simba. It's like, I remember, and even today, you watch it, and I've seen the movie a dozen times, more than a dozen times. You get to the point where then it blasts the Lion King right across the screen. You go, wait, wait, was that the end? Like, it's it's like it's like the ending at the beginning almost. But yeah. it's such a good job the way they bookend that with 
the way they bookend it at the end too, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I read that they awesome. used that song as the trailer. That was the yes. trailer for the movie. Yes. So they just showed that scene verbatim. <laughs> yep. And that, that, I mean, you can't get any better than that. I mean, it is, it is such, it gives me chills when Simba is up there and all the animals start to start to bow and the elephants bow and the antelopes bow. And it's, I mean, even now just talking about it, like it is one of the most epic moments in movie history. Forget animated movie history, but movie history, right? Well, and you Um, said animated movie. It was not until Frozen that, that the records that this movie set were broken. Well, I, I actually, I'm going to correct you. So yes, Frozen broke the records for animated, but it does still hold the record for highest grossing hand animated movie of True. all time. Um, and to that point, I, 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 this is crazy to me, but the remake um, actually holds the record for highest grossing animated movie of all time. It actually beat Frozen. So the remake actually made more money than Frozen. Holy cow. I, I, that, that was the stat I was telling you about that I wanted to share. So between the two of these movies, I mean, now granted, I mean, Disney kind of refers to Lion King 2019 as a live action, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's absolutely computer animated the whole way through. But yeah, it, it, it holds the record. Okay, interesting. We'll we'll get to the live a- live action. I'm doing heavy air quotes, but and the other record I believe it holds is and which is one that'll probably stand at this point is home media sales. Like it yeah. it shattered home media it sales did. that you know every household had this movie, which it makes sense. Like this this was I, you know I grew up obviously in that '90s era. This was the movie that yep. that was the safe movie to put on when you needed to kill an hour and a half with kids. Well, and so what's interesting, and then we can get into the movie itself a little bit, is the movie itself actually has done, or I should say the the franchise itself has done a really good job at kind of creating its own little universe. Yeah. Because you had The Lion King, then you had The Lion King 2. Simba Which is Pride. a really great Disney sequel. Of, of sequels, I would agree. That one is pretty good. And honestly, Lion King 1.5 is kind of fun, too. It's kind of a parallel to The Lion King, but from Timon and Pumbaa's point of view. But what's yeah, it's, interesting... It's, a, it's, it's fine. And, and, and for me to bring this up, you know it's a big deal. The Lion Guard it plays a huge part of the universe of the lion king it it i i never watched it. i think i watched an episode or two of it but you know it was it was obviously more of a recent tv show but the way it was set up there's three seasons of the lion guard and it, it is meant to be in that gap between what happens in lion king and lion king 2 in fact season 3 of the lion guard scar comes back he's a spirit um Ooh. from dead and it actually butts up and parallels with the final sequences of Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Whoa. Yeah. And then the final two episodes of season three act as kind of like the end of the whole franchise. Like it, it puts the button on everything or the bow on everything. Interesting. And so, so yeah. So um, Kion is uh, Kiera's younger brother and then. The other, the, the actual cub that you see in Lion King that is held up at the end, uh, Kion is his younger brother as well. So it's all tied together. Um, and, and Mufasa is voiced, for the most part, throughout all of them by James Earl Jones. Uh, towards the end of, of Lion Guard, he's not voiced by James Earl Jones anymore. Um but yeah, it's it's just Rob Rob Lowe comes and yeah, voices. Rob Lowe voices Simba. Yeah, I knew that. which I thought was really interesting. So, but you know, it, it, it what's what's really funny about that is I was uh, Nala is um, voiced in the original by um, Moira Kelly, who was in The West Wing with Rob Lowe in the very first season, oh. which I never put those two together. But no, it's it. My whole point is, is it it really brought this whole universe together, and and it, it you know, this franchise. When I think of pure Disney, like, how do I want to put this? There are four movies in my mind of, I don't want to say the modern era, because it's definitely not modern anymore, but the four movies that, in my mind, rescued Disney and made Disney what Disney is to me as a 90s kid. Okay, yeah. And that is Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King. Yeah. 
those four. I mean, the, they have the, stood those the test four of movies time. are really like the cornerstone now of the Walt Disney Company. Yes. It, you know, I mean, yes, you've got Mickey Mouse is, is, is you know, your, your face of it all. But you're right. The movies that really propelled Disney into what it is today were those four. Those four are to us what Frozen, Tangled, ca- Cars... Toy Story. Well, Toy Story is kind of even. Toy Story has kind of transcended multiple generations. Yeah, so it's really hard to say. But yeah, Tangled, Frozen, Tangled, uh, maybe um, Princess I mean, and the Frog. You could probably put Encanto in that kind of. Well, okay, like, but I, honestly, no, I can't. I th- because I think Encanto. I think this newest generation is, is even separate from those now. Oh, I guess yeah, you're probably. I, I, I think we are. I think we are now two generations removed. I think, oh, I, I know, because if you think about it in terms of every ten years, right? Yeah. So every ten years, you know, Disney lost its way really in the '60s and '70s. So let, let's be '70s especially was horrible. Early '80s was bad. Then end of '80s, you got Little Mermaid. Early 90s, or sorry, end of the 80s, you got Little Mermaid. Early 90s, you got um, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. You've got uh, Lion King, which really propelled it. Yes, there were some other things, of course. I'm not, you know, all the other ones we've talked about of the Renaissance era. But then you get to the 2000s where it lost its way again, right? You know, you had Lilo and Stitch, and that was about it. Then you get to the 2010s, and you have, um, I, I would say, uh, Tangled, uh, Princess and the Frog, Frozen, those are your big players right there. Then you get Moana to the 2000s. Moana was in there. Moana, yeah, Moana was in there. And then I, th- I think that we have entered a new era where Encanto, Luca to some degree maybe could mm-hmm. be up there. Um, uh, uh, Raya in The Last Dragon could well, potentially be up the there. With the new Lightyear movie coming out, you're going to pick up a new round of the Toy yeah. Story Buzz Lightyear generation. <laughs> So I think my point is those four, like you said, are the four cornerstones of of our generation growing up as 90s kids. I really believe that. And, and Lion King, you know, of the four of those was an original story. Like the other three were, were taken from fairy tales of old. Lion King, not so much. Lion King was an original story. I know there was that whole controversy with Kimba and the white, whatever it was. Yeah, but, and Hamlet and all that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, but, they definitely was. It was definitely, um, definitely inspired by some stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I read that one of the writers uh, uh, affectionately called it Bamblet because <laughs> she felt it was a cross between Hamlet and Bambi. But I would even argue, even okay, those four movies that we've talked about, right? Think about the movies that are still, like, to this day, like, inspiring even new content. We already talked about Lion Guard. Lion Guard is recent, but there's also the stage content, right? Lion King is the most celebrated Disney musical of all time. Have you ever seen it on stage? I I want to so bad, but I have not. No. I I saw it when I was 11 in Toronto. Wow. And I saw it again when it came to Chicago. And man, the costuming is just fabulous. I I, I just, it's a can't, it's a can't miss when you go to Animal Kingdom. Like you have to see that show. Yeah. I mean, we talked, we've talked about this multiple times on the show that that was supposed to be a temporary Temporary fix. And now you have to go see Festival of the Lion King when you go to Animal Kingdom. You heard they are, they are bringing back finally that they're bringing it back to its full. I yeah. actually enjoyed the truncated version a little bit, although I did miss the monkeys. The monkeys yep. are one of my favorite things, but they're bringing all that back. So you'll be able to see the Festival of the Lion King in this original incarnation in the right theater again, which is really Well, nice. and by the time this comes out, the traditional uh, it's Monday, that traditional character meet and greets come back as well. Yes, yes, that's amazing. I, it's, and, I mean, Disney... I know, we, I know we usually cover news kind of its own separate segment, but if you haven't been watching the Disney news lately... They're bringing everything. I mean, everything's coming back. In yeah. fact, there's a rumor floating around. I don't know how true it is. They're looking to get rid of the reservation system. I I sure hope so, man. That <laughs> that reservation system is a nightmare. Yeah, there, there, there's a, well, it's a nightmare, for, especially with the release of the new um, Gardens of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. That you know, if someone wants to park hop over there, they may not get to write it, kind of thing. So yeah, there, there's some rumors floating around. I saw uh, yesterday that that Disney is is secretly looking at the fact that they don't need this reservation system anymore and they don't i understand i understand why they have it i get it it was good for planning purposes and if they've got the staffing issues figured out 
then get rid of the darn thing. Get rid yeah. of it. There's no reason. And get allow people to park hop when they want to park hop. Like quit this yeah. whole 2 p.m. thing. That's just annoying. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no reason for it anymore. Yeah. Just it, it's it's time to be done with that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Lion King. Yeah. Um, so get back, just get back to the movie. <laughs> Lion King. Um. You know, this is just a movie that I remember watching it again as an adult because. You know, often sometimes you watch a movie when you were a kid and you have this rose-colored glasses for it. And you watch it as an adult and go, oh, that, there's some real big problems with this movie that I didn't realize when I was a kid. This is a movie that you watch as an adult and go, gosh dang, this is a good movie. Yes. <laughs> you, you, just, you just sit and enjoy it. And it's got your ups and downs emotionally. It's got the fun characters. It's got the great songs. It, 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 has, it, it is a quintessential Disney uh, Disney property and, and 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 just an overall good movie. It's just a solid, solid movie. And yeah, I have I think to that, think that this B team knew they were the B team. And almost this was kind of like a, oh, you think we're the B team? Well, fine. <laughs> we're going to make this great movie. Well, yeah, it definitely doesn't run like a B movie whatsoever. I mean, it runs like an A plus movie. And, and I think as you were describing, it's just one of those movies you can sit, you know, the words that come to mind are you just settle in for a good 90 minutes. Like normally I'll pause to go use the restroom or whatever in the middle of a movie. No, on. And I was there. I was enthralled the whole time. I not, not once. And it was just like, yes, this is a good movie And there. It, it's, it's, you know, what's really interesting about the movie. A lot of times Disney will, will insert a little bit more adult humor into the stuff that they do. I don't necessarily know if this has a lot of adult humor. I think this is just a good old fashioned feel good, no matter what age you are movie. Probably the most like, I guess, adulty line would be the Nathan Lane improv. Like, what do you want me to do? Uh, you know, dress up and drag and do the hula. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe. Yeah, that, I guess. So, I wouldn't yeah. say that's like for adults only. No, no, I mean, the whole, uh, the whole, uh, are for some bacon? Like that, that, that yeah. is like one of the most iconic parts of the movie too. It really is, you know, and, and like the, the movie is so quotable too. What, you know, Rafika is a Santa San, a squash banana, Santa San, a squash banana. Like, you know, that, you know, that comes from, from Lion King. I was at Disney trivia the other night with some folks from 887 and uh, the old Disney store. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know that, but the listeners might not know that. Um, and, and they had a line from Lion King, and we were like, Lion King, you know, it was, the, it was the courage line. Courage doesn't mean running in trying to find trouble. You know, it's, you know, everyone knows that line. Or all the Facebook memes of Mufasa and Simba sitting up on top of the mountain going, all this land is ours. What's that dark spot over there? You must never go there. Or that's, that's the Detroit, that's the Super Bowl. Lions never go there, you know? Like, you know, like there, there's, there, it's, it is. It is just. It's a feel-good, settle-in movie. So let's do our thing here, real quick. Um, I think we've done a good job overall. What are, What is one of your favorite parts of the movie? Oh gosh, <laughs> I I've had all day to think about this, and I, I should have a better answer for it. Um, I, I, I'm gonna. Go, we kind of uh, touched on it already. It's the opening. Okay. The opening just sets that tone. Um, it, that that it, it sets that tone for the rest of the movie. It's it's not an opening song like an Encanto opening song, where mm-hmm. that opening song, the Family Madrigal, definitely is like a story setup. Yep, and very heavily story setup. It's like here's Purposely. what this person does. Yeah. Here's what this person does. Whereas this is still setting up the story, but it does it without the song telling you what's going on. You see mm-hmm. what's happening but it's also not telling you everything. And then that moves in, it's got the Lion King, and then it immediately goes to Scar. And, and I just love, I love that flow of how it goes. What about you? So for me, I actually really enjoy the the Can You Feel the Love Tonight montage. And I, and I think part of that is just because it was beat into our heads at the Disney store right around Valentine's Day. I can see what's happening. What? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it, like it just it, it just it, it gets moving. And, and like like as it's going, I'm singing it word for word, belting it out loud. My dogs are looking at me like, what are you doing, dad? Because it, 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 just knowing 
that it was kind of foreshadowed by Zazu in the beginning. Um, and speaking of which, I got to say, Zazu is hilarious. I oh, love yeah. Zazu. Zazu, I think, is one of my absolute favorite characters. I just, I love, I love how he's portrayed. I love, it's a small world. Ah, no, nothing or anything, anything but, that. but that. Like that was, that was just, um, you know. In the Broadway fun. musical, he's got a, he's got a full song. It's called The Morning Report. Well, no, and, well, it's not, that's not just the Broadway musical. That was in the original movie. They cut it. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, brought it back for the Broadway. It's a really good song. It is. I know. I, I, um, I, I, uh, I, they, they cut it, and then when they did the re-release, I want to say it was probably the. It had to. Have, my guess is, and maybe it was the ten-year or the fifteen-year re-release, the DVD. They brought it back. Yeah. Well, um, I know Beauty and the Beast did that with um, the song "Human Again," where that song's in the Broadway, but there's a whole. Um, there's a whole animated sequence that got cut last minute um, that's in Beauty and the Beast. And that was another one that, like, I, I remember seeing commercials for the re-release of, like, and never before seen, human again. <laughs> Are there any scenes that you don't like in the movie? I mean, I've, I've definitely talked about it where my overratedness of, of Akuna Matata, where a large chunk of that song is about farts. We we ha- we have to we have to talk about that 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 like forty some odd seconds is about farts and <laughs> and and I just you know farts are hilarious I I myself find a fart as funny as any and is the next person but I I just I think we have this song like on this pedestal of Disney songs and it's great. Uh, the the whole Akuna Matata, I love that mantra, but the song is just kind of okay in my mind. Well, I think I think the reason why we have this song on this this platter on this raised platform is because of the mantra. Is because it is a way of life. It is a way of thinking. It it, it is a way of just saying, you know what, the past is the past. Like. Let's let's look ahead. I mean, even Rafiki says it. The past is the past. That whole that whole scene where he hits Simba on the head and says <laughs> it's in the past, and he goes, "But you got to learn from it." And he swings again, and Simba ducks. Like that is such an amazing way to teach somebody. Like you learn from your mistakes, right? Yeah. I, I, I Life think lessons in this movie. Um, I think for me, in terms of of scenes that I'm, I don't like. I think. Again, being at the Disney store, there are certain scenes that are seared into my head that like d- that bring back memories from the store. Like the scene where Mufasa and, and we can talk about Mufasa's death in a second because that's scarred a generation. But um, the scene where Mufasa is dropped off the mountain and, and Scar is holding on to him and says, long live the king. I, every time I see that scene now, I'm ruined because I think of. The, the, the meme of the of the plush at the Disney store where Scar is holding on to Mufasa. I think we found that a couple of times in our own store where people oh yeah in Plush Mountain. No, um, that 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 so that right there, I think you know just some of that stuff. But to that point, I, I want to talk about that for a second. That scene where Mufasa dies, um, it is traumatic. I mean, oh to, my say, gosh. to say the least. I want to say it's probably one of the most traumatic deaths in a disney movie i I, you know the movie came out in 94 so i would have been uh 10 years old going on 11 i think you know if you think about it watching one's parent die um it just it it yeah it scarred a generation (laughs) i mean it literally scarred and and, and i think what gets is it's not just that you know in frozen you see the ship go down but you don't like see them actually die it is implied yes um whereas this simba is tugging on his father's ear his ear he's like literally yes let's go and it's like oh my gosh yeah um i think another thing that annoys me a little bit and it's only because as it's aged it hasn't aged well you know disney has used in the past they've gone out and like at one point they would purposely seek out like celebrities to voice characters so to hear jonathan taylor thomas's voice as simba does pull me out of it a little bit i think okay or i think i would much rather have someone who was unknown play the character now i get they were again in the renaissance era they were trying to you know become bigger than what they are now but again i think just um 
you know, I, I like that they have gone after a little bit lesser known actors now uh, in some of their newer stuff to be able to um, to avoid that whole the flavor of the month mentality of whatever movie they're playing, you know? Yeah, and really they've gotten back to that. Like if you think about the people who have voiced people, voice characters in the latest movies, it's not the exactly it, it's not the latest people. Um, I mean, definitely they're getting big name people behind the scenes. Oh yeah. But I would say that they're not getting, and, and it's not like these people who are voicing the characters have done nothing. Like, it's not if, like you know, it's not like Roseanne Barr. Yeah, these are real. Yeah, you know? they're real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh um, goodness. One of the things that did annoy me, I will say this. So, did you notice the color? Let me ask you this. What color are Simba's eyes? Uh, are they green? Not the pupils. What color are the non-pupil parts of his eyes? I have no idea. Are they white? Are they yellow? Are they white and yellow? Are they white one moment and yellow another moment? The answer is yes, they are. The, the movie had a really difficult time with consistency. We talked about this being kind of the B players. There were some mistakes the eye color of the main characters was was some of it. Um, it when you watch it again, you will never, ever. OK, all right. It. All right. I'll have to it, watch it again. They're yellow. Some scenes, they're white. Some scenes, they're yellow and white in the same scene. Nala's eyes actually go from blue in one scene to green in another and back to blue. Um, so they really do. They have a little bit of trouble with the eyes. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a little it was a little annoying. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, so I, in fact, I looked it up and apparently there's this list of 10 mistakes in, 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 in Lion King. And I'm not going to read through all of them, but that was one of the ones that they should talk Interesting. about. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But I think what that proves though, is that if your overall product is good, people are willing to look past things oh, yeah. like that. hundred percent. Whereas if you have like a mediocre movie, people will lambast you for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, I'm not one to judge. I mean, there's no way I could make a movie like that. My no. good Lord, it's, it's hand-drawn animation. Um, and, and all of these are real nitpicks. Like, yes. I mean, and, and when we, when we talk about stuff in a movie of this caliber, it's like, okay, well, uh, there's gotta be something that I don't like about it. <laughs> I think it's important for us to have a conversation though, about scar and be prepared. Um, be prepared ended up being the number one villains song on our list our top yeah. list uh scar even though in the final one that we did for our two-year anniversary he didn't make it all the way in our top 10 disney villains he was the number one disney villain as well i think we made him number one there um re-watching that scene you know and, and reading everything that i've read about that scene you know the, the filmmakers wanted to make it Hitler-ish. I mean, they really wanted to make it Nazi Germany-ish. And when you watch it, I mean, it, it, I think, you know, whenever you watch a movie, a lot of how you interpret the movie or your take on that movie has a lot to do with, like, the context of when you're watching that movie and, yeah. and like, what's going on in the world. So re-watching it today in the context of the Ukraine war right now and, and like, just the feel, like, like it, it just, it had these moments, like, and how easy it is for for a leader to um, to inspire people to do things and evil things. That 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 song just is just such a it's a bone chilling song, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a really well done song, and it and Scar is a character. You know, he's not a villain that is a villain because of his power or his strength or his you know brute nature he even says that i got the shallow end of the gene pool exactly <laughs> but he is so conniving behind the scenes i mean he essentially manipulates an entire species the yep. hyenas into yep. doing his bidding yep and then I, I think it's what's interesting about it is his downfall at the end is him trying to blame them and then that backfires yep. and he gets caught um, that's kind of the you know the the 
I don't know what the correct phrase is, but the you know the the irony there. Yeah. But yeah, he's it's very manipulating, and and his song, you know, if you try to put yourself in the mindset of I'm a hyena who is hungry, and this is what this person is telling me. Stick with me, you'll never go hungry again. Yep. Sure. Okay, that sounds great. And I, I do, I do think that's that's one thing like he talked about where it's it's that's something that uh, that happens with a lot of leaders, whether it be yeah. political or religious or just you know in a company or whatever. They inspire their constituents based on some type of manipulation of this is you know this is what i'm gonna get you well like we talked about in our our last episode we were covering um star wars we had that little news segment beforehand you know the cross you know there are two things that i'm passionate about disney and politics i I love the two things in the last episode we talked about how they intersected but what we're referring to here and what scar is able to do and what leaders like scar are able to do it's called grievance politics it's you have a grievance of some kind uh somebody comes along and points to a group of people or a group of individuals who are in a lot of cases marginalized and says it's their fault over there that you have woes and then from there when if i'm in power i'll deal with those people and then it becomes this mob mentality right we've seen it throughout history immigrants often um if, if you take it out of the disney verse and just kind of put into the politics verse, immigrants often um or people of color right are are, are, are or lgbt individuals trans individuals you know to Women at one point were like this, right? Catholics were like this. Muslims at one point this happened to and still continue to happen to any of those groups. It's when somebody comes along who is um, idealistic, is um, very, uh, uh, he has the, they have the ability to, to work up a storm there, you know, and, and convince people that, it's not their fault. It's somebody else's fault. That is what grievance politics is. And that's what Scar is doing with the, um, with the, uh, with the hyenas. Well, and I think that's what makes him so terrifying because Ursula is a sea witch, not necessarily really running into any sea witches in my time. And now I'm not running into any manipulative lions either, but <laughs> you know, what, you know, but I'm not going to go around signing contracts that I haven't read like a 16 year old Ariel does, but was that, was that contract even legal if she was 16? I mean, I got a lot of questions. Um, apparently so in the ocean world, there's less, um, there's less, um, uh, you know, uh, underage problems with a contract. Um, but, uh, with scar, what you just said, where we've seen this type of behavior, in real people. And so you watch this and go, oh, that's really real. And so it has this impact that maybe another villain who's a little more fantastical does not have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think we've covered this on the pod before, but I want to mention it again. So Jeremy Irons does an amazing job playing Scar. I really wish he would have come back for the remake to 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 be to be Scar. Well, during the shooting, during the recording of Be Prepared, he got about two-thirds of the way through it. But the final part of that song, he he got sick and they needed to finish it. So Jim Cummings stepped in to fill that role uh, and, and finish up the uh, finish it up. And so as I was watching it today, I was like, I want to see if I can hear the difference. Yeah. I don't know if it was just my brain telling me it was different or not. Um, but honestly, it is really difficult to tell which one is Jim Cummings versus which one is Jeremy Irons. But you can definitely, when you get to that third verse, you can go, that's, that's Jim Cummings. And, and uh, to hear him mimic Jeremy Irons playing Scar, for those of you who don't know who Jim Cummings is, Jim Cummings is the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Jim Cummings is the voice of Tigger. Jim Cummings is the voice of, I want to say King Candy, if I'm not mistaken, too. No, not King Candy. Um, Mad Hatter? No. Uh, oh, goodness. Okay. Um, I, I got to find all this. Um, 
I swear he was King Candy. I really do. Oh, he voiced Smokey the Bear in several commercials from 1993 to 2006. Didn't know that. <laughs> um, uh, Taz from Tasmanian Devil. Um, I Hondo Onaka, I know he he um, does in the Star Wars universe. Um, hang on, let me find this. Real-time research here, folks. Yes, okay. Disney Wiki. Um, oh, wow. Um, holy cow. Okay, go away. Oh, he, he's go like away. Disney, like Disney royalty. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cheshire Cat, he does. Uh, Darkwing Duck. Um, oh, I goodness. Am the like, that flaps in the night. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's, in this movie, he is Ed the Hyena. Yes, I um, knew he was Ed the Hyena. I so did that's why he that. was yes. around. <laughs> yep, yep. But yeah, so for him to step into that when, when, when Jeremy Irons got sick, and for it to be as iconic of a song as it is, and for people to it, to go unnoticed, is just insane to me. It just goes to show you how much of a talent he truly is. Yeah. So he's what I what I would say he's pretty much a good like um, fill in guy. So um, for example, um, he didn't voice the original King Louis, but from 1990 to present, he has. Um, he voiced King Triton in The Little Mermaid Ariel's Beginning, uh, which was the prequel. Um, ah. He voiced Monterey Jack in R- R- Chippendale Rescue Rangers season two or three. Like he he he's kind of this, uh, you know, jack of all trades type guy that just comes in and and voices. Oh, Razul from the Aladdin franchise is Jim Cummings, mm-hmm. the head guard. Um, so he just he's in a a. a a bunch of stuff. That... It's like, you, you know, his voice, even if you don't know him like that, that's, what's crazy about it. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh and Tigger are probably what he's best known for. All right. So, you know, normal, normally we'll hand it, like give a rating towards the end. Then we can talk about Lion King 2019 briefly, but, um, scale of one to 10, where do you put the Lion King at? Oh, this is a 10. Like yeah. this is a 10 movie for me. Yeah. Like, is it your, I mean, I know it's not your favorite movie. Top five. I would assume it's top five. Yeah. And, and uh, I think there's two lists that I have. There's the irrational list of my top Disney movies based on my feelings. And that's where emperor's new groove is number one. And then you have the rational list that I understand that emperor's new groove has many, many flaws in terms of a movie setting, but this from a, like a rational break it down from a movie standpoint it has everything that a good Disney movie needs in my mind, which is you got to have great quotable lines. You said it, you know, everyone knows certain quotes and even, and even just the opening, like everybody knows that mm-hmm. um, you've got. Great... Even when I butchered the word, you knew what I was trying yeah, to do. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> we knew exactly what he was doing. Um, great songs, you know, you've got that. You've got fun characters that stand the test of time that are still talked about and people love seeing today. You've got, you know, my Disney villains theory is in here where you've got a powerful conniving villain. It, it It's it's a darn near perfect movie. All right. I agree with you. Ten, hundred percent. All right. I want to shift gears for a couple minutes because I want to take us down to 2019's version of the film. And I want I want to have a I want to have a conversation, almost a, a theory. Ooh, a theory. Yes. Okay. I know that the live action, quote unquote, remakes of the Disney classics are a hotly contested issue. They they literally split Disney fandom. And what's ironic about this is the ones that don't mind the live actions are just that they don't mind. They're not fierce advocates for them. They're not like, Oh my God, it's better than the original kind of people. Most of them aren't, but the ones that are anti live actions are fiercely anti live action to the point that you will hear them say it ruined the original. It destroyed the original waltz rolling over in his grave or whatever it may be. I would argue that what happened with this live action, quote unquote, this remake and 
the buzz that came out about it and the reignition of the 94 film is the reason why Disney continues to do the remakes. I don't believe for a second that Disney ever set out to say, I'm going to create a movie. We're going to create a movie that is suddenly going to become better than the original and people will want to watch that movie versus the original movie. What I do believe, though, is that they sat and they said, how can we make these movies that we've produced over the course of X number of decades come back alive for a new generation of audience and still allow folks who want to see the original to still be able to see the original, but at the same time, experience it in a whole new way, right? And this, I think, remake is how they were able to accomplish that. I, I think this is the epitome of, of one of the ways that they did it, did this. And I, I'm speaking of this as somebody who was kind of in the Disney company as it was happening. And I remember when this movie was coming out, Matt, I know you do too. All of the, all, we didn't get a lot of live action plush. We got plush from the original movie. We got we toys from the original movie. It was, like, it was all in an effort to promote the original movie. Cause it was Mufasa, Simba, Scar, Timon, Pumbaa. Yes. Like, I mean, Rafiki. It was, yep. Rafiki. All of them came in. You, you are absolutely right. We didn't. We got very little live action Lion King merchandise, and that was the case for most of the live action movies. Like when all these live action movies have come out, there's been a little bit of live action, but it served as a way to reignite the original classic. Whenever a live action would come out or a remake would come out, we would get a surge of new product. And so now what you end up having is fans who enjoy the original content and fans who also can side by side enjoy the new content if they want. I do not understand these people who complain and moan and say it destroys the original. The original is still there. You know, we had this conversation last 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 time we recorded about Star Wars, where Lucas went in and did change the originals, yeah. and the originals don't exist anymore in canon. It's It was his film, and by all means, a creator, we both agreed, has the right to do that. But that's not what Disney's doing here. Disney is putting a parallel version of the film out with, I don't think, any expectations that it's going to be better than the original. Now, on a couple of occasions, it has turned out better. Jungle Book being an example of that, I think the Jungle Book live action is better than the original Jungle Book. But other than that, for pe- I don't understand the people who get all bent out of shape that these movies are even created. I, I don't understand it. I, I think it gives the Disney company opportunity to update some things. So like Beauty and the Beast updated a little bit of okay, how did the townspeople not remember there was a castle there? Well, they, yeah. they put that in there. And, and they, they did a couple other things there. With um, Cinderella, they fleshed out Cinderella's backstory and the stepmother's backstory a little bit more, and even the prince's backstory a little bit more. They fleshed that out. And I think we even agreed that the Cinderella, Cinderella live action, in, at least I think we agreed on this, I, I, I said it, the Cinderella live action I think was better than the original Cinderella. I, I very much enjoy the live action remake of Cinderella. Very much enjoy that one. And, and, and like, and look at the, the upcoming live action Pinocchio. It looks amazing. It looks like it's going to be a blast. That one I am interested in, and as well as I know they're doing a live action Snow White as well, yeah. because those are like the the first way back when films to get updated. And there's more holes to fill. Like I remember watching Snow White again, and not a whole lot really happens in no. in that movie. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's definitely a way to retell that story to make it more more interesting, you know, and, and give it some well, more plot points. And even one of the reasons why I liked Jungle Book is because I liked where they went with it versus where they they yeah. went with the original. And and even one of the reasons why I enjoyed the Mulan live action remake. It, 
I am not the greatest movie ever, but it was very different from the animated or where and, you have Cruella. I mean, Cruella yeah. when it was a prequel basically. Well, so speaking of that, so we talked about how Lion King 2019 has grossed almost $2 billion in sales. Well, it, that's it, the other funny thing with, with how much people are like, this is ruining it. It, it, the, if it keeps making this kind of money, yeah. Disney's gonna keep doing it. <laughs> 1.6 billion. I don't want to say close to two billion, but 1.6 billion. That might, it, it almost doubled what the original made. They're actually working on a prequel. They're huh. working on a Lion King live action, quote unquote, prequel of Mufasa at the age of Simba was when he grew up. Interesting. Yes. I think that sounds amazing. We'll get some backstory on Mufasa and Scar yeah. and what happened there. There's always been kind of questions around how did Scar get his Scar? What was Scar called before he was Scar if he wasn't born with the Scar? Like, there's all these different, like, so, like, that sounds fun to me, right? Um, I think one of the reasons why Maleficent did so well, especially Maleficent 2, was because it wasn't a straight-up retelling of the original, right? Mm -hmm. But I just, again... I know that even our listeners are divided between, you know, should the remakes be made or not? At this point, the remakes are being made. Like th th that's not going away. It's like it's <laughs> happening. I mean, my God, with just what's out there, Pinocchio, Snow White, Little Mermaid and Peter Pan. I'm just waiting for them to do a live action Roger Rabbit again or a remake of Roger Rabbit again. I would, <laughs> I would pay for that. Um, or to somehow work Roger Rabbit back into the canon of Disney somehow. Oh awesome man. That'd be, or, an Oswald. I would love to see an Oswald um, movie or an Oswald Mickey movie. Like There's... an epic or an epic Mickey movie. Oh, that'd be sweet. How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Um, and, I I, and let me say this. I am on record of I, I do not like this live action remake. And and it's for this reason. It's not because I don't think it, 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 that it's a bad movie. It's just it's the same. If you watch the opening the circle of life it's shot for shot the yes. exact same thing except it is cgi animals instead of hand-drawn animals yes so it, it, it just if i'm gonna watch one of the reasons why i really enjoyed the aladdin remake is because they added more to the story they yes. brought in a little bit more backstory of jasmine so she wasn't just this well, woo! I'm a I'm a girl that's trying to escape all this, you know. Woo! <laughs> she was actually like a person that was wanting to lead her people and be free. I mean, that song "Speechless" is fantastic. Um, it, it added so much more to it. This film just didn't it didn't add anything. And then the fun parts weren't as fun because it was yeah. live action. There were no. It wasn't musical. They took the music like, right out. I just can't wait to be king. It's a really fun song because the second that Simba goes, you know, he lands on the ground. You have that. Wah! I'm gonna be it. Yeah, it, and, the and the scenery changes. changes. Yeah, and and it's these bright colors and very fun. In the live action, just like some lions running around, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> it. It just it's it's. Yeah, I, I agree. If I'm gonna watch a Lion King, I'm going to watch the original. But it was fun watching how somebody else imagined how it could be. Um, but again, I like that they're going with a prequel at this point. I like that oh, they're going to yeah. try to extend the story. That, I think, is the – and we've talked about it before. That is the proper use of the remake engine if they're going to do it, right? Um, it, 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 that is the proper use. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, because, I, I mean, I, again, with Cruella, like, I now want to see – a remake of 101 Dalmatians with being the sequel to Cruella. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And even, I don't care if you keep it as, you don't put the moniker of 101 Dalmatians on, if you keep it as Cruella, and, and, and I know they're not doing this, but wouldn't it be great if we got an Ursula prequel to figure out you know, have this whole Ursula Triton thing. You no, no, they might, they might add some elements of it in there. You never know. I hope they do. Cause I, that's the kind of stuff that to me would be a little bit more interesting to add in. And even if you're trying to build a franchise to, okay, we know this part of the story, here's the part, but imagine if that's the middle of the story that we know. So yeah. now we're not just going to give you a sequel and extend that story like a Maleficent 2 did, yep. but we're going to give you the background of that. I mean, that's kind of what Maleficent was 
here's how Maleficent came to be who she was, and then it it basically did Sleeping Beauty. And yep. then Maleficent 2 kind of gave you, okay, here's what happens after that. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that I liked about this, where, yes, okay, it focused on the character of Maleficent. Okay, let's say you want to focus on the char- character of Ariel. I don't care. Well, it's even but, like the it's like the Alice in Wonderland live actions, which were really truly the first live actions that they did. Yeah. The first one was basically a retelling with kind of the Tim Burton twist. The second one was a completely different concept, right? Yeah. You know, people complain, well, where's all the original content? Disney still has plenty of original content out there. If you haven't been paying attention, Encanto is probably the biggest example of it right now, right? But they've got a vast catalog, a vast library of content that they can revisit and retell in a different way. I'm on board with that. I, and I'm totally and on board let's not that. pretend that Disney is the only people that are doing this. No. The amount of remakes and other stuff that other studios are doing as well. That's not to say that, you know, if everyone's doing it, it's okay. But this is not a Disney-centered problem. We as a society are having problems with we like nostalgia. Uh, we don't – new ideas were not necessarily like, yeah, we, we like the – oh, I remember this movie as a kid and I'd love to see – love to see this movie again or a retelling of it. So it, this is, this is well, movies and, in general. And you said it. If it wasn't making money, they would stop doing it. Yeah. $1.7 billion tells you that people wanted to see this. If you did something and, and, and you surveyed 100 people and they all said they hated it, but it made $1.6 billion, but you go, well, these 100 people hated it, so. <laughs> there must be others out there who love, I mean, come on. All right. Anyway, that is our conversation on The Lion King. Um, So we've got some fun shows coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks. Next week, I'm actually kind of excited, A, because I don't have to prepare. We are (laughs) kicking it old school, back to something we haven't done in probably over a year, I would say, or more. It's been a while. Um, We are doing a Convince Me. I have so for those new listeners, for go. those new listeners who don't know what a convince me is, a convince me is is one of us has a hot Disney take, not like something that's like completely obvious, but something that could be controversial, where one of us truly believes it, the other person not so much, or, or maybe doesn't doesn't necessarily believe it or doesn't know, and they try to convince the other person to believe it. So Matt is going to try to convince me of something. I don't know what it is yet. Some of our past episodes, just so you're aware. Um, uh, I can, uh, convinced Matt or attempted to convince Matt. And I think I was successful that, um, Tusker house is the best character dining on property at Walt Disney world. Uh, the original convinced me, Matt, was you trying to convince me that the Incredibles was, I think a top five, five, uh, Pixar, uh, movie. That he was, was our not, third episode. He was not successful at that one. Uh, I, I must say, I still am not an Incredibles fan. Um, I think one of my um, uh, convinced me was to convince you about Fantasmic was the best show on property, maybe? I, I think that remember. was one of them. And then, I mean, yeah. uh, the running gag of our show came from a convince me, which was I could try to convince you that you need to be watching Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yeah, And that now has become like a yes. running gag through our whole show. <laughs> I think the last iteration we had of this was not an actual convince me, but it was the um, the, the court of Disney redemption. We kind yes. of did a twist on it where we had Chris come on and, and we, tr- we argued, you argued in favor of home on the range Ugh. and I argued against it. And I clearly won, although we did, we did admit that the, the one song that you happen to like is yes. The yodeling song. Ugh, is, is, I'm, that, that song is the so, one shining gem in that uh, pile <laughs> of doo-doo. Ah, yes. But anyway, so he's going to try to convince me. Um, then we're going to have um, the following week we're going to do i believe it's the top 10 we haven't done this yet strangely top 10 attractions at walt disney world top this one's going to be interesting because i i, I think we definitely are going to have some overlap you know? oh yeah but, but there's a lot of them out there yeah and, but I, I, and we're not really specifically sitting what our criteria is either so yeah we never do and we never share with one another um, we've got some guest episodes coming up later in, uh, in the coming weeks. Um, my friend Joe, Joe Amadeo, he's going to be on to talk some discontinued video games and just Disney video games in general and kind of like the history of Disney video games and 
and how they really have stunk. <laughs> like they're just not known for their video games. Um, and then we've got a potential tie-in with your mistress podcast coming yes. up too, right? Yeah, so. we got something brewing there. Uh, we, we haven't decided when season three is wrapping up. Uh, we've got one more. Speaking of which, oh yes, oh, you oh. did the event. You did yes, the I event. Did. I did the event. On I was show. so his entire season three. He's they've been doing shows that I've never heard of. Uh, although okay. I had, heard I, I had heard of Freaks and Geeks. So that one, I had heard of that one, but I'd never seen it. But the event. They did an episode on it. It was on NBC. I do not agree with your take that the the scrolls are going to be like the version of this. That no, 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 no. I am still pissed at NBC that they never, ever, ever came to a conclusion. They were going to move it to sci-fi, and they never did. Yeah. Um. Um. And yes, it, uh, what's her face? You you will know as Doctor Carrie uh, Weaver from ER. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, yeah. So that so we're wrapping up season three. The season finale premieres on Thursday, and then we what is haven't it? Dis- um, <laughs> we actually don't know. Oh, you <laughs> we're still talking it about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, and we're gonna announce our uh, uh, season four uh, uh, theme, and so we got some stuff brewing there. Um, but we don't know exactly know when that's gonna when that's gonna premiere, and we want to tie that episode with. We're gonna do yes. a two part episode where part one is on the discontinued on display feed, and then part two is on is on this feed. So it is Disney related, I guess you could say. But uh, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm and I'll synergy. Have my- and I'll have my Disneyland report coming up in the middle of June. Yeah, here that's right. Too, so that's soon. It is, man. We're we're. Um, I actually get to make. By the time this episode's come out, I will have made my dining reservations. That's wow. how soon we are. I know. Exciting. Um, it goes on Tuesday, but um, well, actually, I think about it, this episode comes out in like three days. So yeah. yeah, uh, so, yeah I, so the day that this comes out will be the day that I'm making my Disney my dining. Okay. Nice. Um. Anyway, it is closing time. Get a hold of us. We have a website, sorcerernetwork.com. Matt, you posted a new blog. I did. Speaking of video games, I posted a little bit of a history on those video games, as well as most of it, though, is a look forward towards a game called Disney Speedstorm, which is a looks-to-be, based on the minute-long trailer, um, a, like, Mario Kart version, and so I talk about my excitement for that. And then I've got something coming up this next week. Um, um, I'm going to try to get it posted by the time this drops. It is a series that I'm doing called Upon Further Review. Um, and uh, you know, I talked about this earlier in the episode where we, you, you see a movie as a kid, and then you watch it again as an adult. And then either you go, oh, yeah, that was as good as I thought it was, or, ooh, wait a minute, this is really weird. Why did I like this? And ooh. so I've got a couple films that that has been the case for. Um, and, uh, I guess any, in the context any, of this episode, teaser, uh, yeah, in the context of this episode, we talked about it where the B team worked on Lion King, the A team work on Pocahontas, and it was actually flipped where Lion King came this big success and Pocahontas was, was mixed results, but still I would say a success, but that, that's, what's going to be my article on is an upon further review of Pocahontas. Um, and I'm going to do a bunch of films with that, uh, with that moniker of upon further review. So that's a series that I'm, I am still traumatized from Pocahontas, which is why we have not done it yet. Uh, just around the Riverbend is one of the absolute worst songs in Disney history. Really? Oh my God, man. Come on. How are you not traumatized from hearing that every night at the Disney store as part of closing ceremony? That that song sent me around the Riverbend. Yeah, see that song. I, I forgot that it was in there. I got I I remember the brother bear song where you know, uh, yeah, we were, we were we were. Oh, so we were at Disney trivia the other night, and they had a they had a um a a, a a round where they played ten Disney songs for like a minute apiece. The very first one they play is the glass and the jar shattering, and I'm like. Tarzan, there it is. <laughs> Tarzan, trash in the camp. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, because it's like the first one that you hear in the Disney. Yeah, and then you get yeah. No, it's the welcome, welcome to our family. Welcome to our family. That's yes. the brother bear song. Yes, the brother bear one. So that was a great one to belt out near the end. Oh my anyway, so, I, yeah. I started singing. You ended singing. There you go. So sorcerernetwork.com. We got. I'm I'm trying to pump as much content as I possibly can. My schedule is now more set. I just started a new job this week. So, um, if you're in the uh, Delavan, Wisconsin area, and you bank, 
stop into a bank maybe i don't know can i reveal that i don't know if probably that's... not don't say which don't say where you're say which bank. you know you don't want a creeper to come see you yeah, so, uh, <laughs> uh, all right anyway uh you can find us on facebook beers and ears Fa- uh, beers and ears podcast you can also find us on twitter and instagram at beers ears 1928 feel free to email us at beers and ears 1928 at gmail.com let's go ahead and raise our glasses this episode has been on us. See you real soon. We'll see you in... <coughs> oh, man. We'll see... <laughs> Bye. I think we found our cold open. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.